Welcome to the Muso Church Podcast. Here, we share the powerful and practical gospel of Jesus Christ until everyone is free and flourishing. We're so excited that you're here. Wherever you're listening from, we are trusting and believing that God is going to touch your life through this podcast. I want to greet you, who those that are watching online. I pray that you are blessed this morning. Welcome to our second, our first second morning service ever. Hello. Uh, we thank God that six months ago we were still at the hotel school and uh, we just sense God saying we must move into this space. When we did not have, I mean, there we could fit, when we squeeze it in, we could fit about a hundred people when, we, when it's really tight. Um, and, um, and, and, and we just felt that, you know what, we need to create more room. So in, in essence, we had a hundred people and we moved into this space where we, could, we, could, we can sit 220 people. And six months later, we find ourselves at a point where we have more. Last week, our numbers, we had 299 people. And uh, so I was wondering, are the, is the hosting team, are they magicians? Because where did they put those people? Uh, where, when we only have 250 chairs. Uh, so, so the Bible says, the one plants, the other waters, but it is God who brings an increase. And this morning we take none of the glory. It all belongs to God. There is nothing we can point to ourselves and say, we did one, two, three. That's why we are growing. Because let me tell you, there are people who do what we do and do it even better but they're not seeing the same results. God says, I will use the foolish things of this world. I don't even think I'm a great preacher. I, I'm like, but, but God says, I will use the foolish things of this world. You know, there was a pastor friend of mine. I was having lunch with him this week. And he said to me, dude, how is your church growing when you are always just shouting at people like this? He says, why do those people keep going back? <laughs> like, what? Do they love punishment? He says, I feel like if I talk to my people the way you speak to those people, they will not come back next week. I'm like, yeah, I have soldiers there. They're strong. <laughs> They're strong. You're strong, I get it. You're you are not strong. In Christ, you are strong. Amen. And so we thank God that he has... Uh, he has, uh, he has brought us growth, and we have created room. And uh, visit the first service. It's nice as well. Yeah, so, yeah, you can visit there as well. Uh, this morning we had a great service, right? Yeah, yeah. It was so nice they have to repeat it. Guys, so now I'm tired now. My voice is tired. Can I, may I please have my... Thank you, blessing. See, now I have to drink concoctions and that. So, if you want a good sermon, go and watch fresh. This one is stale. 
you're about to get leftovers. Come to the morning. The first morning is again. We are continuing with our series titled um, The Jesus Journey. This is part two of The Jesus Journey. And this is where we're looking into the, the life of Jesus in, so we are searching the scriptures to find Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Because there is this uh, uninformed opinion that we do not have to consult the Old Testament anymore. Guys, I want to tell you, you are robbing yourself incredibly by not reading the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament, Jesus Christ says, the Old Testament testifies about him. So the Old Testament, is, is, it has in it what they call shadows and types of Jesus Christ. So what the Old Testament is there for is to show us and lead us to the coming of Jesus Christ. From the books of Moses to the prophets to the Psalms. All those books, they lead to one thing and one thing alone. They lead to the coming of the Messiah. And if we discard the Old Testament, we miss out on the richness of who Jesus Christ is. And the shadows, Mr. Villagas, or Mr. Valentine, the shadows are there to lead us to this one conclusion. When you read your Bible, Mr. V, you must come to this one conclusion. I need a savior. Without reading the Old Testament, you tend to downplay what Christ has done on the cross. But the Old Testament, it brings a picture. It shows you that you are walking in the wilderness. You need a savior. You are in Egypt. You are a slave. You need a savior. You are in front of Goliath. He's about to crush you. You need a savior. You are a prophet of Bala. You are burning. You need a savior. You are in the very fairness. You need a savior. You are lost. You need a savior. The problem is when we read all the stories I have just mentioned, we are the hero. And that's why we think we don't need a savior. How many of you have read the story of Joseph and you place yourself where Joseph is? Say, ah. The Lord is turning things around for me. I am growing from the pit to the prison to the palace. Where Nana? When we encourage ourselves, I'm going from the pit to the palace. Where Nana? <laughs> Do you want me to tell you who you are in that story? With with, with our actions on a daily basis, on a daily basis, we are, we are Potiphar's wife stripping Jesus of his dignity. Because we claim to be saved and we live lives that don't glorify God. We are stripping the cross. We are stripping Christ of what he has done on the cross. If you want to locate someone in that story, I am Potiphar's wife. I am the one who is embarrassing Jesus. 
I am the one on a daily basis who is accusing the Savior. If you want to locate yourself, I am Potiphar's wife. I need saving. But because I've put myself where Joseph is, I don't need a Savior. It's the wrong way of reading the Bible. It's the wrong way of reading the Bible. And I, talk, I spoke to you about it last week. There's eisegesis. There's exegesis and eisegesis. And exegesis is when you read the scripture to understand it content, it con it, it, it content, it context, and and what the original meaning was. Eisegesis is when you take yourself and you read the scripture to fit what you want, your agenda, you force your agenda onto it. It's when after they dump you, you say the you say the 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 stone that the the builder rejected. Now you are the stone that the, you are like, now the stone will become the cornerstone. Where Nana? And now when, when you get the new guy, you are walking, you are right in there. You are like, now the, the, the rejected stone has become the cornerstone. Ha, they dump you again. And then you are like, ow. So the cornerstone was rejected again. Don't insert, find the right place where you should insert yourself. And where you should insert yourself must leave you feeling like you need a savior. The accurate way of reading the Bible is after you read it, you don't leave saying, I am more than a conqueror. I am powerful. I am a victor. I am strong. I, can, I declare a thing and it shall be established. Wow, 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 wow. And all those. No, 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 no. After you read the word of God, you say, because I am in Christ. Because of Christ. Through Christ. In Christ. It must just leave you with a sense of feeling like, oh my God. If I don't have Christ, I am not going to make it throughout this day. The Bible says, therefore we are more than conquerors. Amen? No, it does not. The problem is that's how we read it. Oh, I am more than a conqueror. Don't forget that through Christ, it's not an add-on. It is not an add-on. So when you read that scripture, it must point to your need for Christ more than to your conquering. After I read it, it says, I am more than a conqueror through Christ. And I'm like, oh my God, that means if I am not in Christ, I cannot conquer anything. I need Christ more than I need a breakthrough. For if any man is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. If I am not in Christ, the old is still following me around. I cannot run away from my past except when I am in Christ. The shame and the mess of my past will follow me as long as I am not in Christ. May, may, may the Lord bless you 
according to his riches in glory. Where? In Christ. The condition is always in Christ. The condition is always in Christ. So the Old Testament was painting a picture so that when we get to the New Testament, we understand our need for a Savior. We know that we are not going to achieve anything except if we are in Christ. We are not going to become anything except if we are in Christ. Now what we are trying to do, because we, we have... We are the David. We are the hero in the story. And I said this to you last week, and I'll repeat it. Guys, the minute I'm David, I don't need anyone to show up for me. When I read that story, I am the army, the Israelite. I'm afraid of Goliath. I am shaking in my boots. I need a David to show up for me. That is the right way of interpreting that scripture. I am weak. I need a savior to come through for me. Lillian Akita says, a servant is never the savior. The duty of the servant is to tell of the Savior. Like I am a servant. I am not a Savior. I can never be a Savior. I can never point anyone to myself. I can only tell them about the Savior who is coming. The servant can never become the Savior. That's why Paul says, I am a born servant. Paul in Galatians 6 verses 14, he says, God forbid that I should boast except on the cross of Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to it. Paul says, man, I have written majority of the New Testament, but I cannot boast on myself. But when diary how your dear diary. You want to boast in yourself. Because guys, let me tell you, by inserting yourself in the place of Christ, you are boasting in yourself. Paul, with everything that he has done, with all his accolades, with everything, he says, I, God forbid, that I boast in anything else but the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I, to eat. Oh man, listen to what Lorraine Mbonella says. She says, creator of heaven and earth, who do I think I am waiting? Why do I think I am waiting on you? Who's pump, who pumps blood into my heart at night when I'm in deep sleep, unaware of anything? What this lady is saying is saying, man, why would I think 
I am here waiting for you to come through. When in fact it is, the, it is you who's pumping blood inside my heart. You see, most of us, we are waiting for God to show, to prove himself through things, not in the fact that we are standing here only because of his grace. We are breathing because he has breathed inside of us. There is nothing more that he needs to give us. He has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness where? In Christ. He says, I've given you anything, everything pertaining to life and godliness in Christ. He says, why would I think I'm waiting on God when in fact the, the, the very air that I breathe, he's the one who has given it to me. The blood that pumps in my vein comes from him. Listen to what David says in Psalms 20, in Psalm 61, verses 1. He says, I stand still in the silence, listening to the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for the Lord to rescue me. For 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 God alone has become my, my savior. David says, I stand in the silence waiting for the one whom I love. You see, guys, we, we, we have a tendency of saying, but God loves me when we sin. We have a tendency of justifying sin by pointing to God's love. See, when we confront the sin in your life it is not God's love for you in question it is your love for him in question God's love for us is settled there's nothing that we can do to change that he loves us the question is blessing do you love him because every single day of your life, there is every morning when you wake up, you make two choices of who you're going to love. It's not even your wife. It's not even your children. How you treat your wife and your children depends on the choice you made. And the choice is, do I love myself or do I love God? That's the most important choice we make with every, before we make every decision, every decision we make points to one thing. Who do you love? And who you love, you worship. The way I love my wife is a reflection of who I love. If I love myself, I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to hurt her. But if I love God, I'm going to treat her in a way that glorifies God. It is a question of who do you love? If you love yourself more than you love God, your decisions will reflect it. Because what you love, Homozo, you worship. When you worship yourself, you are going to compromise God to satisfy yourself. But in Fundisi, we need to save for the wedding.
That's why we are living together. In that moment, you have chosen, you, have, you are declaring, I love myself more than I love him. But Funis, you know, you don't know how busy my life is. I can't come and serve God's people at church. I'm, I'm busy. All right. We're not busy. We don't have things to do. That's why we're here. You didn't catch it. Your, I said in the morning service, your schedule is, your, is a reflection of your affection. Where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend your, 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 yourself is a reflection of your affection. Here is my question to you, Tepa. Who the... the your decision, who, what do they reflect? Do they reflect your love for Christ or your love for self? That is why Christ says, if anyone wants to follow me, they must do what? The criteria to following Christ is death. But if you still love yourself, you're not going to die. Shame. Uh, if your the devotion is still towards self, you are not going to die. I must, I must die. I must die to myself. How? Joan, I'm important. I get now say literally uh, these things about mental health, my space, my worth, and my, my, my worth, my truth. What do you want to do, Sanka Fela? My, 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 my. In the middle of sin is I. The worship of self leads to sin. Because the world is always going to ask you to compromise. And if you are a worshiper of self, you need to say, guys, let me tell you, every day we are fighting. Maybe you guys think we're standing here because, because ah, we're cruising. We're fighting. We are confronted with difficult decisions on a daily basis. Where I, 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 I'm like, hey, ah, this money will, will work. I'm like, this money can actually take, get me out of some serious problems. But I know that my affection is on a judgment seat in that moment. My claim to love God at that moment is at the judgment seat. Do I really love him? Is the decision I'm about to make going to reflect that I love Christ or I love myself? I see collab. We are just via, via. We're just vying there. So today, I want to speak to you. Actually, I intended to speak to you. You see, it's a joke. I said, from today, and so from today, today I'm going to preach from Genesis 11 until 20. I'm stuck on Genesis 11 until 
verse 9. So I haven't even finished the whole Genesis 11. So this series might be maybe six, six months. Yeah, six, around six months. We're still going to be here. Because, Norma, last week I thought I was done because I preached from 1 until 10. I missed Genesis 3. Guys, see ya. Do you realize that death came through a tree and life came through a tree? That it was in the eating of the food in the tree that men died. It was through the hanging of a savior on a tree that men were saved. Guys, don't mess with the Old Testament. There is Jesus all over there. You can find the story of salvation painted all over the Old Testament. It is a setup. It's like, it's like you know, guys, when you when you're going to have a, a nice lunch and you don't eat anything because you are trying to stay up an appetite so that when you eat the main thing, so the Old Testament kind of like, it stirs up our appetite for our Savior. When we read the Old Testament, you are like, oh man, oh, this is where I was going. Look at what God has done. And look at what is happening in Genesis, in Genesis 3, 15. It says, and I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman and between your seed offspring and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head and you shall only bruise his heel. In, in another translation, it says, and he shall crush your head and you will strike his heel. Do you see the difference, Mr. Mr. Villagas? It says, when you will crush the head, the, the, the serpent seed will just bruise your, 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 uh, your heel. And the challenge is, because of isages, we what we do is, we are the one who is crushing the serpent. We are the one who is crushing the head of the serpent. You know, when we are going through challenges, we're like, no, he's just bruising my heel. And we are praying at church. We're like, ah, we are crushing. I'm like, I cannot crush the devil. He will crush me before I crush him. I need a savior in the person of Jesus Christ to come and crush him on my own. I don't have the power to crush him. I don't. I don't have the power to crush him. The power is in Christ. This, this thing, this verse, I, hey guys, it is what is known as, here we go, proto Evangelium. Proto Evangelium. That's the word for this verse. This verse is known as Proto Evangelium. What does Proto Evangelium mean? It comes from the word Proto, which is like the first of its kind, and Evangelism. So the combination of the two, it means it is the first gospel. When we read Genesis 3.15, it is the first gospel. 
It is when we read it, we must see a picture of what is to come. We like the mess that we are in, the devil who's messing with us. There is an offspring that is coming that is going to crush his head and he might bruise his heel on the cross for a little while, but he's going to crush his head. And that savior has already come. We are sitting here because the offspring of a woman has crushed the serpent. The serpent's head has been crushed forever. The gospel, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon says, Genesis 3.15 is the sum and the summary of the whole Bible. Genesis 3.15, just that one verse, is the sum and the summary of the whole Bible. It tells us the, of, of the redemption story in one verse. In one verse, we get the summary of the whole Bible. What is it about? It's about God creating men, men being disobedient, and men deserving the wrath of God because of what the enemy has done. And Christ coming to save men from the wrath of God and reconciling him back to the Savior. That's what the Bible is about. It's really, really about the coming of the Messiah to come and save us from the wrath of God that we may be reconciled with the Father. A perfect offspring must be born. Imagine if that's how we read the scripture, the depth of our walk with Christ. We would have so much depth. But hey, because now... We are there. By the claim it, believe it, and receive it. Listen to what Colossians 2.15 says. It says, ah, you know what? I love this scripture. In the Passion Translation, it says, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers, the principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was, uh, he was not they are prisoners, they were his. That procession where Jesus falls and is beaten, ah, the Bible says he was not the prisoner. The gates of hell were the prisoner. They were beating him. They were nailing him. They were, they were kicking him. They were spitting on him. They thought he was the prisoner. No, no, no. He was not the prisoner. He was taking them to hell where he's going to crush them. It was a bait and they fell for it. He was saying, devil, come. I'm going to take you to the grave. And when we get there, I'm going to crush your head. It was bait. He says, when I... You only have jurisdiction to bruise. I am going to crush your head. It says on this cross, you are only going to bruise. I am going to crush your head for the salvation of my, of my people. Romans 16 verses 20. It says God of peace 
will soon crush Satan under your feet. Who is crushing Satan? God. Jesus. He's the crusher of the serpent. Hey guys. When you're depressed, you can't speak your, you can't talk yourself out of depression. Mary, you think you can crush the serpent? Like sharp sharp. When you're feeling down, you, 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 can't, you can't even just encourage yourself in the Lord. And you think you're going to, to crush the serpent. It's under my feet. Lampola. <laughs> and, and look at the beauty of the Bible. In that scripture is what most of us understand it to be the punishment of men. But in fact, it is the promise of the salvation of man. When we read it, we think man is being punished. God is declaring a promise of the salvation of man. And if we read the scripture with the understanding and the, the, the heart to find Jesus in every scripture, we would have seen that. Because, but because every morning you look for scripture, that's why if you look at verse of the day, most of the verse of the day, they are taken out of context to encourage us. Verse of the day is taken out of context to encourage us. Guys, we need encouragement. And the better encouragement is to, as preachers, we must encourage people towards salvation. Go, go, go and get saved. Towards Jesus. Not, not towards the self-affirmation. He says, I say and do only what my father says. Says if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. Is Jesus? It's nice. Are you still together? The Old Testament must point us to one thing and one thing alone. We need a Savior in the person of Jesus Christ. Without Him, it shows us a picture to say, without Him, this is how lost you would be. Imagine every human being who was drowning in the water because they were not in the ark of Noah. And imagine yourself drowning like that because you are not in Christ. That's the view of it. That's the view. You know, you know what has, what's annoying me? I'm getting out of myself. Now I'm preaching sermons that are, that are still coming. Anyway, so now here is a picture of who we are in Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, it shows us what happens when men choose to live their life thinking they don't need a savior. If, there's a, if there are people in the, in, in the scripture who we should say, this, this one looks a lot like me, 
here, here, here are your people now. We're about to talk about your people. Leave both Joseph and, and, and David. This is the, your people. They are coming. Listen, listen to what they are saying. And tell me if this doesn't sound like you and me. Just, just listen. It's the people that are building the Tower of Babel. The Bible says, and therefore they were in one language and they were in one accord. They had an agreement. I agree we have this thing in the world of saying majority rules. So if more people agree with one thing, we think it's right. Guys, listen, the gospel is right all the time, even if only one person believes it. It's not a majority rule. Even if only one person preaches the gospel, it is still the truth. If it don't get confused by seeing a lot of people preaching something else, regardless of how many of them agree, the gospel is still the only way. Jesus is still the only way to Jesus Christ. Regardless of how many people think there are options, there are ways, there are other things, there is nothing like that. Only Jesus is the way. He's the only way. Regardless of how many. Now, these ones, they are, they are speaking one language. They are in one accord. They are the majority. And they think, ah, we can do this. They have mobilized like tomorrow. <laughs> ah, tomorrow you know it's going down. <laughs> and Wabona today, no, no load shedding. Listen to what they say. Listen to what they're saying. These people. They say, they say to one another, let's come. Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had bricks for stones and they had aspens for, for, for mortar. Yeah? A flat, no, a flat. And then listen to what they say in four. In four. And they say, and, and they say to one another, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad in the face of the earth. Number one, did God not say to men, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth? This is a direct disobedience to God. Let us build a city for ourselves so that we do not do what God wants us to do and do what we want to do. Does, does that not sound like, like you? It, it definitely sounds like me. If not you, maybe, sorry, sorry, if you again. They say, let us make a name for ourselves. Does it, does it, does it not sound familiar? Yeah? Let us, let us make a name for ourselves and build a tower so strong that it can get to the heavens. Hey, when you are, you, are, you are buying likes on social media, does that not sound like you? You're buying followers, you're building your own brain. Hey, does, does not sound familiar. Us, you see, you see where we are. This is us. And look at what is happening. The Bible, the, the Bible says, they made bricks for stones. What does that mean? It means where there was supposed to be stones, Norma, they made bricks. 
Stones are God-made. Bricks are man-made. So they made something so that was not intended to be building material. They made it so that they can build our, their own life. They can build their own tower. So if you want to know the, the, the stone that was rejected, this was man rejecting the stone, not us. We are the ones who were rejecting the stones. We are not the stone that was rejected. The Bible says they bake the stone. And you know why they're baking the stone? So that it can be stronger and to fast track the, the process of drying. And there's, a, there's another theologian who said they did that so that in case another flood comes, they have built a strong enough city. So their intention is not to repent, it's to protect themselves from the flood. You see how crazy people are? And guys, this is 400 years after the flood. God is 400 years after the flood. They are back at it. Does that, does that all sound like? There was a flood just now. Now again, you are building a tower. Hey, Batum, I saved you, Moose. You said, God, if you take me out of this position, I will not do it again. How is this you again? We're here. Does that not sound like? Moses, God, they go and deliver the children of Israel. And they say, hey, God has delivered us. And then God calls Moses up the mountain, comes back. They've created for themselves another God. Pride took you out of that situation. It was me when you were sick. Asking for me to heal you. And I did. And today you are too busy to come and serve in my house. I'm the one who saved your life when you were about to lose your breath. And then today you are, you are concerned about your health. You want your space. You don't want anyone. You're not going to save anyone because you are prioritizing your, your health. He says, where, where was that priority when you were lying on the hospital bed and you could not do anything for yourself? And I, I sent people to come and pray for you. And that's how you got healed today. You are protecting your, your health. You were a student and the church was giving you buckets, food for you to eat every... And today the church is trying to eat your money when they say you must tithe. When it was the people's tithe that was helping you to eat while you were in college. It was the pastors who were praying for you, releasing you and doing all these things, helping you and growing you. And it was the pastors who were giving you a chance while you were a young boy, not knowing how to play the keyboard. We gave you our keyboard. We gave you an opportunity to play in our church using our electricity, using our equipment. And today, because you play with Dr. Tumi, we must pay you. Oh, 
Ossi, sorry, 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 Ossi. <laughs> guys, guys, let me tell you, let me tell you. Ossi, Ossi was in Durban yesterday on a gig with Dr. Tumi. And he said, listen, tomorrow morning, I need to be at church. I'm living. That's a, that's a blessing right there. That's, that because he understands that, oh my God, this thing, this is a gift from God. I cannot now come and want to act like I blessed myself. You know, I see people, they are acting arrogant and I'm like, yay, that, was, that thing was a gift you and you did not. I'm like, you learned how to play here on our keyboard. Man, we taught you leadership. You are in management position at work because you learned leadership here at church. And today you want to tell us how busy you are? Come on. Come on. And, and here's the thing. If you are too busy, God will raise for himself another we release you in the mighty name of Jesus. Go and flourish. We're not cursing you. We are blessing you. We were not, anyway, we were not investing in you so that you can stay. We're not there. And how did we get there? Like, I don't know, Dimona always just pushes me to just... Pray for myself. I need prayer. Guys, they 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 built they built bricks. Bricks are man-made. Man-made things they can serve you, but they can never save you. And because they cannot save you, they can't sustain you. Listen to what listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah, Isaiah 20. 28, 16, he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, not a brick. I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tested stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes, uh, believes will not act hastily. The problem that we are in a hurry and we end up building things that does not have God is because we do not believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, he says, you have one thing and one thing alone and it is to believe in the one that I have sent. You got into the wrong relationship because you don't believe in God's timing. You got into the wrong business. You don't believe in God's timing. You are building something wrong right now because you do not believe in the sure foundation that God has laid. There's a sure foundation that has been laid. He says, I have laid a foundation and apart from this, no other foundation can be laid. Guys, anything that you are building that is not built on the foundation that is Christ, you are wasting your time because it's going to come down. I, I say this with the saddest and sincerest heart, like thing in my heart. Every time I, I speak with young people in a relationship, I said, man, 
Make sure your relationship honors God. Make sure your relationship honors God. Because the sure way to make sure that you destroy your marriage is to have a relationship that does not honor God. While you are still dating. Because see, when you are dating with Knox, if both of you are stealing with each other, one of you is going to steal from the other once you are married. Because you don't have the discipline required to build on the sure foundation. Now we as pastors, we come and bless things that God has not blessed. Without restoring. There's some relationships we're not going to say break up. If I find out that you are staying with your partner right now and you are snaking, I'm not going to say you must break up. But, but immediately, you must leave the house and we must pray deliverance and teach deliverance in your head and we must restore you into purity. We're not just going to waltz towards marriage as if nothing is happening. Because when we do that, we are not giving an opportunity to learn the discipline required because let me tell you this, as a married man, marriage does not make you more disciplined. If you are not disciplined while you are still dating, now you are going to stay with her in the house and at 12, she wakes you up at 12 o'clock and says, we need to talk. <laughs> stressful, that thing. It was stressful. And if you have, if the relationship is not built on a sure foundation, like guys, if your life is not built on a sure foundation, there is, can I warn you, today there's a lot of philosophies that are out there and people are building their lives on them. I, I saw a, 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 a clip yesterday where people were arguing about, you know, someone says, I, I identify as this and identify as this. And, and unfortunately, that thing is growing. People now can identify as whatever. And that is going to be a thing. It's going, and our philosophies are going to be challenged. We're going to have to say, where do we stand? Our foundation in Christ is going to be challenged. We're going to be cancelled. Because we're going to have to say, no, we can't say Busi is her. We must say it's them, it's them, it's they. And because, because we're not saying that, they're going to cancel us. And that time is coming, Basalwan. And when it comes, it must find us standing on a sure foundation and say, you can kill us. You can take us to the grave. We are going to stand for the truth. For God created men and women. It's coming. It's here, you're not gonna, you're going to be persecuted for the truth. And if our foundation is not sure, and guess what we're saying? We're saying, men, come to church. We wanna love you. You are welcome here. And we're going to tell you about a loving Savior who has given you an identity, and He is the restorer of that identity. We're not gonna close our doors to anyone. But as soon as you walk in those doors, we're going to 
flood you with love and the truth. That's the foundation that soon will be shaken. There will be law that will prohibit us from preaching the gospel. It will be a law. And guys, imagine today, you can't come to church because it's raining. Now when coming to church has become illegal, ah, you are gone. Today, when it's drizzling, you don't come to church. What's going to happen? Like China, when Christianity becomes banned, that means we're not valid. We must just forget about you. At the slightest inconvenience, you don't come to church. In China, people, people meet in toilets to have church. Hungry for the gospel. They memorize the Bible because they are not allowed to carry it. They can sit 12 hours just eating the word, eating the word. Like, ah, <coughs> You're not coming. But build on a sure foundation. And a sure foundation will be, that's why the Bible, God says, I have built on a tested, tried, precious foundation. Apart from this, no other can be laid. Ah, guys. Where is your life built? Is your life built with bricks or is built on a rock? That when the winds come, because the winds are coming. 2020, the winds came. We lost a lot. We lost many. There are other winds that are going to come. But because our lives is built on a rock, the rock that is Jesus Christ, and he is a sure foundation. He was there in the beginning, and he will be there until the end. Because our lives are built on that foundation. Even if the wind comes, it can blow, but we will still be standing. The winds of trial, the wind of sickness, the wind of persecution, the wind of pressure, the wind of whatever. If our lives are built on Christ and he is the promise, he is not the way to the promise. The Bible says God's promises, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. In its original context, it means he has summarized all his promises in Christ. It doesn't mean you're going to get there and you get every... It means he is the summary of all the promises. Jesus is the summary. So when you come to him, don't come to him as a door to the promise. Come to him as the promise. 
lest you get disappointed when the stuff that you thought you were going, ha, listen to what the Bible says in, in Revelation. It says Jesus is standing outside and he's talking about the church. John is talking about the church. He says Jesus is standing outside, knocking at the door. I'm like, what is Jesus doing outside? Why have we sent Jesus outside? Why is he outside our hearts when he's supposed to be inside our hearts? Why is he doing outside? When he's supposed to be the very foundation our house is built on. It's a caution to the church. It was a scripture about a church of Jesus Christ. They say, you church, Christ is standing outside and he's knocking. I'm like, may that never be true about our churches. That Christ is standing outside knocking. May that never be true about our lives. That Christ is standing outside knocking. May he always be found. Inside. May he be the firm foundation. Upon which our lives are built. And there's someone here this morning. Who says my life is not built on that foundation. My life is built on bricks. Is not built on the solid rock. I have never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never accepted him as my king. I've never accepted him as my redeemer. My life is built on bricks. If the wind should come today, my life will not stand. I need to build my life on a solid rock. And I'm making that decision today. With everyone's eyes closed. If that is you this morning, I want to declare to you that Jesus loves you. That's the first thing I want to declare to you. That he is a sure foundation. That's the second thing that I want to declare to you. And he has an incredible plan with your life. That's the third thing I want to declare to you. But that incredible plan through your life is only going to be built on the sure foundation that is him. He is the one who wants to be the foundation of your life. And today you know you are sitting here that you have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You know that if the winds come right now, your life is not built on the rock. It is going to fall down. It is going to go away. And you say, not not today. I'm not living here without receiving him as my Lord and Savior. I'm not building with bricks anymore. I want to build with stone. The solid rock. The cornerstone. That is Jesus Christ. And if that is you, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. If that is you, just raise your hand. Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it high. 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 Raise it high. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. This is the best decision you have made for your life. And I want us to give God a hand of praise now as, as we celebrate this, this moment and this life. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that this message has been a blessing to you. Why not be a blessing to someone else by sharing this message with them? Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Goodbye and God bless.